to introduce the podcast? Why are you pointing at me? <laughs> all right, man. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Wild Sports Podcast. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> I'm here with my special guest. He goes by a thousand names. Give us, just give us one of them. Big D. Mufasa. <laughs> pause. Pause. The big vet. <laughs> hey, the other day I had to teach you what pause meant. <laughs> you said some question, but I said pause. You said what? I still don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> pause. What the heck does that mean? You young folks today, man. Hey, man. You say anything questionable, my generation, it's a pause. You, you got to clean that up. Well, you keep that to yourselves. <laughs> anyway, anyway, we got a special episode for you guys. Uh, kind of want to talk about the NBA draft. You know, that's coming up in a couple of days. You got some some good prospects. Want to compare it to some previous drafts that we've had. Um, so off the rip, let's talk about this past season. You know, how do the rookies compare to uh, some of the other classes? You know, we had Ja Morant, Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, Jared Culver. Plenty of uh, a talent that came out last year. So uh, who stood out for you last year? Well, of course, you know, you got the rookie of the year, John Morant. Um, even when he was in college, I was looking forward to this kid coming to the pros and displaying the talent that he displayed during his rookie year. And awesome talent. Hops out of this, uh, hops, jumps out the gym. Right. Uh, handles the ball well, fearless going to the hole. Once he de- develops a mid range game or just a, a three pointer, definitely unstoppable. You know what? I had John Morant before the season getting rookie of the year because I felt like Zion was – his game just wouldn't translate to the NBA. Now, physically, he was always ready, being 6'8", what, 250. I think he was heavier than that, 280. I didn't, I didn't think his game would translate as well as it did. He ended the season averaging 22 points a game. And, and we've seen in the preseason that the summer league, it's, he's a man amongst boys. Well, I thought prior to him getting injured – I thought he would be rookie of the year. I think his physical ability as would transcend into the NBA easily, as well as some of the skills that he already had. I thought the only knock on his game might be uh, the, the jumper, hitting the threes, or even his mid-range game. But getting Shoot. to the hole, uh, finishing around the rim, spectacular. Man, he showed one game. I think he hit like three or four threes in a row. Yeah, but I mean consistently. I mean, albeit they were wide open, but – you got to hit those anyway, but consistently, once he develops that game, he'll be a, a pro for a lot of years if he can stay healthy. Now, one guy that kind of disappointed me this year, a guy out of Gonzaga, Rui Hachimura. Now, I knew he was good at Gonzaga. He had the length. He's kind of like that that tweener, 3-4. Um, I felt like he would challenge John Morant, being that he got drafted by the Wizards, and then they didn't have, really have like a three or four on their team, and he had some pretty good games, but, man, I don't, he was in, real inconsistent. And I, I see a trend with these these draft class. GMs are going after potential, and the inconsistency is what differs for me when I compare these draft classes to, like, um, the 90s and the early 2000s because I feel like those guys came NBA, more NBA-ready than – We've seen in the, in the these recent uh, NBA drafts. Well, I beg to differ. I think Roy had a good uh, rookie year. Of course, when you lose a John Wall, 
and your team is up and down with injuries. Uh, I think he displayed the talent that he's going to need to be a, a solid pro for years to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, one guy that I was really um, surprised at the way he finished the year, uh, Tyler Hero. Oh. <laughs> and as hey. a rookie, I mean, he really showed. He's cold. Yeah, he, he really showed that he he's going to be a, a long-standing NBA player. I think no, he's black. With health. I, I, mean, I remember I saw him sitting down with Jimmy Butler and another player, and he was saying he couldn't swim. <laughs> he was like, you must be black. <laughs> you got black tendencies. <laughs> black tendencies, yeah. But yeah, outstanding player, man, to, to be a rookie. Displayed everything yeah. you need to uh, stay in this league for a long time. Him and uh, Duncan Robinson. Well, I think he's a rookie this year too, right? Yeah. Him and uh, – that's that's a pretty good shooting tandem, uh, I think, besides Splash Brothers. Um, can you name another – Shooting duo that's better. I mean, they performed in the playoffs against the Lakers, you know, throughout the playoffs. So, right. I mean, because you got to understand, you plan for a great coach who's going to build his system around his players, not make right. his players adjust to his to him, right. but going to build a system to the players that he has. Also, another guy that I was, I mean, I really like. I like R.J. Barrett. I think the, the uh, sky's the ceiling for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if he develops more of an outside game, perimeter shot, I mean, you know. He went to the Knicks. You no, know, the Knicks well, is a dumpster fire right well, now. Well, you know, he went to the desert land. Yeah, but, I mean, where else can you be to get the kind of exposure that you can get if you perform on a high level? So I look at it as a plus and a negative until they have to revamp that entire Knicks organization. But as far as the talent, I think he's a talent uh, coming out from Canada, from Duke. You know, I think he showed the talent that you need uh, to be a solid Is he a pro. franchise player? That's that's yet to be seen, but I think he's a good piece to build on. I don't know, man. Uh, he's the, the thing that these guys have on their side is youth. I I wasn't really expecting a lot from them in their first year. Like, John Morant was already, you know, developed. He, I feel like he had pace, which a lot of these younger guards don't have when they first make that jump to the league. And he's no different. Uh, R.J. Bear is no different. I think he needs another two or three years to really define his game and, and kind of settle into the NBA pace because it's not college. Well, that's not a knock. To me, that's really not a knock on them because, like you said, they're young players. They're, they're rookies coming into a man's game where you still have to learn the game of the NBA. Then you have to also have to remember the, the season halted. Where the stop, they stopped, and then I don't even think the Knicks they were, they didn't even no. get invited to the bubble, no. so their season ended. You know, so they didn't get that high quality, high level play the rest but, of the summer, things like that. So it's going to take some time for these guys. But to, my to my point is, look, this is my point. When you the top five pick, you know, one through five, you expected to make an immediate impact. Kwame Brown, it, it trash. I got a I got a friend from Clayton State that's from Brunswick. Kwame, Kwame Brown's Brown. from, <laughs> from from Brunswick. So, again, you get drafted a lot of times off of potential. I mean, we could say, you know, you could take some guys who uh, look at Harold Minor yeah. back in the day. Great college score in USC. Right. Come to the pros. As soon as they figured out left-handed his game. Left-handed Jordan that people were saying. Yeah. As soon as he figured out, they figured out his game, he could only go left. All he could do is jump. I mean, he just became another borderline player who, who washed out of the NBA. Right. So, so, you're still drafting on potential. Only a few players are going to live up to the hype. Of being a lottery pick, um, that's a handful. Even out of this year's draft class, you're only going to get a few players that are going to shine right away, and then some are going to develop into solid pros who are going to last for years to come. Right. 
Right. So with that being said, man, we got a, some pretty good prospects in this, this 2020 draft. I'm not really excited about these guys. It's From top to bottom, it's not a lot to, to go off of. It's real top-heavy. And I feel like the analysis on even the top guys, they don't really have a lot to go off of because they have a small sample size. A lot of these guys played a couple games in college, you know, removed from high school. Even uh, we're going to talk about him, James Wiseman. He didn't really play college at all. But we've seen in the past with people like Kyrie that does, that doesn't really matter. I could play eight games at Duke and come in and, and, and be a perennial point guard all-star. But remember, we're still talking about exceptional talents. Right. Because an exceptional talent, irregardless of where they play at, eventually the talent level is going to show. Okay. Irregardless if they become superstars, all-stars, uh, champions in the NBA, whatever, eventually they'll make a play for themselves in the NBA. Yeah. So, again, with that being said, like we said, looking at this this year's draft class, you got to understand what I go by, I look at the NCAA tournament. How do these guys perform when it's a one and done? Mm-hmm. Are they going to take their teams to another level? Are they going to fold under the pressure? Or are they just going to shine as an individual? So that's one thing we didn't get to see out of some of these players, even though the year before we got to see Obi Toppin perform yep. uh, in the NCAA tournament. So that let me know. I think he's NBA ready. Okay. Out of all these guys, there's only a few guys on this list that we did uh, make out of, of a projected lottery picks that I see as being NBA ready right now. Okay. So before we get into the draft picks, think back to some drafts. Who were you really excited to see come out of college or high school, just ready to make the NBA jump? Well, one that comes to mind right away, when I came out of high school, went into college, there's a young man. Of course, coming out of Ohio, I knew about him. I knew him, uh, that I was excited to go to the NBA uh, was Jim Jackson, uh, Ohio State product, not just because he was a Ohio State product, because he was an outstanding high school player, McDonald's All-American. I got a chance to watch him up close, uh, played against him. Uh, I saw how NBA ready he was. Uh, he held out for some time before he signed with Dallas. Okay. But when he got to the NBA, I thought that he was a solid two guard that was going to last in the NBA yeah. for a long time. And he played 14 years, so that's, that held true. Right. Um, he was a, a high-level player for his first couple of years before injuries took place. You, okay, so remember this. People forget the era that he actually came out. He actually had some battles with Chris Webber and those guys, the, the Fab Five. Okay, that's right. Ohio State, Michigan, that Big Ten rivalry. And he held his own. You he, know, a lot of times it's overshadowed because you're the big I mean, uh, Fab Five. You know, that was the hype. Him yeah. and Christian Leitner, Chris Webber, and those guys were like the highlight going into the NBA. But like well, even said, with that, Ohio State was like Big Ten champs too. They faced uh, Calvert Chaney, Damon Bailey, those guys in yeah. Indiana, the big dog, you know, people like that right. uh, in the Big Ten. So the Big Ten was solid. Yeah. So Jim Jackson was, again, a first-team All-American, um, projected probably a player of the year. Mm-hmm. Coming out of college, he – course he went to the Mavericks where he played with Jason Kidd, Jamal Mashburn, right. those guys like that. So uh he was a guy that I was looking forward to going to the NBA. Now one guy that I was really excited about, I mean I was really excited about, panned out too, uh when Kevin Durant was at Texas. Yeah. Uh, even when he played in the All American game, McDonald's, I said this guy's ready for the NBA offensively. Okay. And then when he went to Texas, he proved offensively, man, he was unstoppable. They said he couldn't lift the bar. Uh, in the that didn't press. matter. As long as you can put that ball in the hole, 
That's what he could do. Yeah, you always used to tell me that, but you know, that's weak. You can't lift the bar. And that don't that don't stop you from getting to the hole and putting the ball in the hole. If he can do that, right now he's showing he's unstoppable. He's probably one of the more unstoppable forces in the NBA right now, if he's healthy. For me, I think it was Stephen Curry and Carmelo. I remember you got some DVDs that had um Sebastian Telfair, Amar Stoudemire. That's right. Uh Melo was on it, mm-hmm. and it was one other player. I can't, I can't remember his name right now. Was it LeBron? Yeah, LeBron was on it. Yeah, High School Phenom DVD mm-hmm. bought me. Right. And Melo was everything that you want in an NBA prospect. He won at every level. He won at Oak Hill. He won at Syracuse. And he made an immediate impact That's when right. he got to the Nuggets. He did. So for me, my mindset when I'm looking at these drafts, I want to see are you a perennial winner? Do you have the intangibles to make that NBA jump? And ultimately, how can you how can we use you in the NBA game? Do your skill set translate? And you'll find a lot of times that the more talented guys get buried in the NBA because they go to the wrong team. That's true. We've seen that plenty of times. Mm-hmm. But like I said, for me, Melo and Stephen Curry, Stephen Curry coming out of Davidson was just ridiculous. That's right. Being triple team, sometimes quadruple team, mm-hmm. still scoring 30 and 40 points. So that let me know he had the offensive aptitude to score in the NBA. And we see it right now. He's probably the greatest shooter ever. I, so, I can't disagree. Yeah, I mean, and that draft class was was loaded. Man, now, and then, you know, what happens, even with guys like that, that they get the knock that they're small, um, physically can't handle the day-to-day pounding of the NBA – and but the talent always transcends all that. That's true. So offensively, man, this guy's amazing. I really can't say I've seen too many guys like him. Excellent handle, right? Like I said, range unlimited. <laughs> yeah, we haven't seen too many shooters like that no. at all ever in the history of the NBA. So we're talking about. I mean, I go back. I look like guys like downtown Freddie Brown used to play for the uh, Seattle SuperSonics. Range out of this world. Uh, like I told you before, Andrew Tony, people like that. Uh, Glenn Rice, okay, you know, big with, dog with range. No, no, Glenn Rice. Oh, okay, not Glenn Robinson. Yeah, Glenn Rice, man, guys that had that range. You know, that just could pull up from downtown. And yeah. like I said, Andrew Tony. And you think about it, even Larry Bird. You know, range shooting out. You know, Greg, Craig Hodges played for the Chicago Bulls. He shoots better than all these guys. Clearly, like it's not even close. When he leaves his hand, it's almost like you, you're hoping he misses. You're praying. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like my size. Yeah. So, you know, so uh, looking at it, man, a lot of times these guys don't look like what they are going to become in the NBA, but it's those intangibles that they build on, like shooting, having an incredible handle. IQ will always translate. Yes. That's something that will never be, you know, forgotten. Uh, NBA IQ. You can play with anybody. We see that today. If you can handle the ball, if you can shoot the ball, and if you can think the game better than your opponent, you can be an NBA player. So with that being said, uh, we're going to go into this 2020 NBA draft that's supposed to happen on what, November 18th? That's correct. I'm going to go by uh, ESPN's best available prospects. And the number one guy they got, you know, his dad is a big mouth. That's what they say on ESPN. I don't think they really like him. I like LeVar Ball. Excellent parent, if you, you know, judging what parents should be. 
He puts his kids on a pedestal, give them opportunities to succeed. Uh, he put them out there. Yeah. For people to see. Yeah. Just what parents, you know, not everyday parent would do that, but he put his sons in front of the TV. Right. He put them on front street and let their talent speak for itself. Not only did he do that, he gave them a brand. How many, how many parents, you know, give their kids something, you know, to work with, like a brand? Uh, they Joe got their own shoe. He did the Joe Jackson. Yeah. We did like the Jackson. <laughs> you, think you, whooped, you think you whooped them behind the scenes? <laughs> so he, he really did. He yeah. did the Joe Jackson, man. He put his kids out there. Yeah. You know, put them on, on national TV uh, with his, like I said, talking. All the talk he did, he put the national spotlight on his children, whether or not they made it or not, or still even make it. Lonzo is. I think he's going to be a solid pro. Right. Uh, this Lamelo has opportunity. Even the young guy, that other son that we haven't been hearing much about. But I think uh, he should probably get an opportunity to make it. Uh, mm-hmm. We have yet to be seen. Maybe he'll be in the G League or something like that. Right. Uh, but he did his job. Yeah. So you mentioned the prospect, Lamelo Ball. Now, he's unorthodox. And I mean that in the most arrogant way. Because that's the way he plays. I feel like he's super, super confident. You can see it oozing out of his game. He shoots from half court. I don't know if he's super consistent, but as far as my generation, he's viral worthy. We've seen a million clips of him. He scored 100 points in high school. And like I said, he will embarrass you. He's 6'8 now, so he's bigger than Lonzo. I think he has a better handle than, than, than Lonzo. Um, for him to be the first pick in the draft, do you think he's worthy of that? Well, you know, we always talk about talent. We talk about um, how they're going to project. So being worthy of the number one pick. I mean, there's a couple guys uh, in this draft that, depending on team needs, could go number one. Yeah. Um, Like I said, I like his confidence, like you said. I think he has the ability. Now, physically, you know, can he stand up to the everyday of the NBA, you know, these yep. guys are going to come at him just because of his dad's mouth again, like you said. They're going to test him, just like Lonzo got tested. I mean, but like I said, he shows that um, he's going to be a good point guard. I think with his size and with his ability, I think he'll be fine. I mean, looking at his tape, I've seen some of his games. He's super crafty. He's ambidextrous. Uh, he has that pace and that touch that you look for in guards. And like you said, he has the size. He's a willing finisher. Um, a good ball handler. I he think he's gonna be edge. better. I mean, some some players you can't teach that edge to. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's afraid to go up against anyone. I think he's going willingly take on the challenge of those who come at him. Uh, just depending again, what kind of system he plays in, who he plays for, uh, who, what kind of talents around him. Like I said, you can't ask too much for some of these guys too early. Yeah. Because uh, then you might be forcing it. Then we'll say, well, this guy is not who we thought he would be. Okay, so ESPN is projecting him as the number one pick. As the number one pick in history, you kind of are asking for, for a lot from him out the gate. Because at what time do you consider him a bust? Two years down the line? A year down the line? Five years? Well, remember the Cavaliers drafted the, the young man from UNLV. He was a bust right out the gate. Anthony Bennett. Right. Yeah. Just like Kwame Brown, a bust right out the, the gate. I mean, he didn't show anything. His, even though he played a couple years in the NBA as a serviceable big, 
serviceable big man. I mean, being drafted number one right now, it's only a money thing. Okay. You know, it depends on what kind of rookie deal you're going to get and then the length of it. But as far as uh, uh, drafting on potential, that's basically all you're ever doing is drafting on potential. Some of these guys you can say, like John Morant last year, I thought immediately getting into the NBA, if he could stand the physical aspect of the game, he was going to be a star. Okay, so for me, LaBella Ball, on the high end, I feel like he could be a Luka Doncic-type impact player. You know, they have similar builds. I feel like with Luka, the the pro game overseas, playing many years kind of developed him into the guy that we see today. Luka Doncic is a superstar. Yeah, he's super talented. I like that dude. I, I don't know if I would make that same comparison. I'm just saying on the high end, I feel like that's LaMelo Ball's ceiling. On the low end, I'm going to say uh, Michael Carter-Williams. Now, the only reason I say that is because, remember, when Michael Carter-Williams came in, he was rookie of the year. Right. He had 17 points a game out of Syracuse. Did absolutely nothing after that. Where is he now? He's still in the NBA for Orlando. I know he's still in the league, but he's not doing anything. He's not the pick that we expected him to be, especially after the rookie year. Well, you got to remember, too, a lot goes into these guys. They still need to be developed, even as rookies. Michael Carter-Williams, whoever system he played in, I don't feel like he they worked to develop him right. or who he played for, who he played with. So there's intangibles that take place. Uh, um, sometimes they don't like your attitude. Okay. You know, it could have been a lot of things that played into his demise, but he's still in the NBA, so we still got hope. Okay, so give me your LaMelo Ball comparison. Well, I, if I was to look at him right now, I could say back in the day, a poor man's George Gervin. And that's giving him high praise because I don't think he could score on the clip as the Iceman, but with his build, uh, the Iceman could handle, you know, the finger roll, I mean, could get to the hole. I think with the build, I think he kind of favors – uh, the Iceman to me, um, even with his skill set, kind of like a Jason Williams type. Okay. Um, maybe not an athletic penny, but in that range of those type of players, uh, confident. Okay. Uh, not afraid to go to the hole. Will dunk on you mm-hmm. if he can. Uh, so I, I think he has the ability to be a pro yeah. uh, and make an impact, albeit uh, right away, depends on who he goes to. Because you look at Minnesota with the first pick. If he goes to Minnesota, yeah, even though he'll be playing with, with Big Cat, they don't have much else. I mean, they have D'Lo, so I don't think he'll actually go number one because they have a ball handler and they have a facilitator in D'Angelo Russell. But going off ESPN, they're saying he's the best available prospect. So they're saying he's the best person in this draft. Not saying that he's the best fit for Minnesota. You see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. I I don't... Totally agree because I think someone like Obi Toppin, to me, I think he might be the most NBA ready mm. because, like I said, I watched him play. Uh, I think his game translates into the NBA a little more than everyone else. Okay, because I seen him play like in the NCAA tournament. He showed up for his team. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna get to him in a second. We're gonna get okay. to him in a second. But as far as Lamelo Ball, for me, uh, you got to be more aware on defense. I, I want to see more toughness out of him. But I think he can warrant being the number one pick. So on to our next guy, the guy out of UGA. He's an Atlanta native, um, Anthony Edwards. 
Now, this dude, he he kind of reminds me of like Bradley Bill on a high end because that pull-up jumper is, like I said, if you can shoot in the NBA, you'll always have a spot. But he's real streaky. He's stocky and explosive. Uh, like I said, excellent jumper. For me, I, I, can, I think I can agree that Obi Toppin is probably the most NBA ready. But closely following him would be Anthony Edwards. Yeah, he's super athletic. Um, has a nice touch on his jumper. Again, like I said, based on potential, I think he's translating to be a super pro. Right. Um, but again, that's potential. Um, athletically, sure, he can make it in the NBA. Dude can jump out the gym. Yeah. yeah. That ain't um, no question. But like, the development of players, if he gets developed in the right system, uh, somebody nurtures his talent. I mean, the, the, the sky's the ceiling for this guy. I mean, look at him. He's 6'3", 225. Looking I thought at he's him, more like 6'5". That's what I thought. I looked up his, his profile. A lot of people have him listed as 6'3", 225. Okay. When you watch him on TV, he looks like he's 6'6". He right. looks much bigger than what he right. is. Right, Like I said, that may be due to his frame. Uh, dude's pretty big. They just recently had a showcase for him and uh, I think it's Tyrese Maxey from uh, Kentucky. They both what, the signed one for the Lakers. One that they did for the Lakers or for no, 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 Rich Paul. Yeah, for Rich Paul. Okay, I think they're going to be signed to his agency. Okay, so they had like a little showcase because you know teams. I don't think they can really facilitate um, rookies right now, like working them out and stuff. So they just had that little showcase that they had on ESPN. You know, which is good. I mean, that's right. another thing too. We forgot about agents. A lot of times, agents can mess you up. Uh-huh. So we see more and more that uh, players are starting to represent themselves. But that's another point. Mm-hmm. But as far as Anthony Edwards, like I said, he's a three-level scorer. Um, can he's, he's super streaky. And that's what I, why I compare him to Bradley Bill on the high end. Well, remember, he was only a freshman. Yeah. He came in and performed and did what freshmen do. Going to be streaky, going to show you talent. Yeah. Going to be streaky, going to show you talent. hmm like I said, he's coming into the NBA now, but another year in college, he would have developed more consistency. But now he got to display it on a high level every night. Yeah. So, like I said, it depends on who he goes to, uh, what kind of player development they have. Are they going to nurture his talent? Are they going to give him time to develop? I don't think he needs time. He averaged 20 points a game at UGA. and I, like It's not a lot of talent in the SEC. Like you said, we didn't get to see him in March Madness. But the talent is there. I, I feel like regardless of whatever team he goes to, if they need a number two, he can perform. He probably won't average 20 points out the gate, maybe around 15, 16, which is fine for me. But the, his, his scoring ability is not what questions me. Like, off the ball, he doesn't play well. He, if he has the ball in his hands, he's pretty good. But I like to see him move off screens. Uh, UCLA cuts, backdoor cuts. I think um, if he were to go to a team that utilizes Iverson cuts, you know, cutting across the the foul line, you know, and then again, this these are potential players. Again, coming right out of high school. Remember, he was a man in high school. Came right to Georgia. He was a man at Georgia. So again, playing off the ball, he's used to having the ball in his hands. Yeah, these are skills. Again, if somebody nurtures his talent that you can be taught. Isn't you know it's nothing to be taught how to play off the ball, especially if you again you have somebody who's already facilitating offense 
Say, yeah. for example, he goes to Minnesota. You spoke about D'Angelo Russell uh, facilitating the offense. So it ought to be somebody he has to learn how to play off of or play off of each other. But, yeah, on the high end, I feel like he's Bradley Bill, low end Malik Monk. And we've I, I still want to give Malik Monk some time to, to develop into uh, a good oh, yeah. player. I like but him. But he, he had some off-the-court issues that kind of, you know, derailed his career. But, but hopefully like he'll him. be back. Yeah, but I next like guy, him. James Wiseman. From Memphis, seven one center, two forty. It's a big dude. What you see from him? Because um, he didn't have a lot of tape in college, you know. So for me, right now, having him as a third best player, that's a little too high. I feel like he's overrated in that aspect. Um, great runner in transition, runs like a a, a cheetah for a seven one center. Um, he's a willing paint defender. I say that with a question mark because, you know, that college game is a bit different from the NBA game. You got to be able to help a weak side in the NBA, and he doesn't do that well. But I feel like, like you said, if he goes to a team or a coaching staff that can hone his skills, because he, athletically, he's one of the best big men even in the league right now. He will be on that higher end as far as athletic big men. So he needs to go to a coaching staff that, can hone in on those skills defensively. He he has a capable mid-range game. I could see him, you know, 15 to 20 feet away from the basket, knocking that down consistently, but nothing more than that. I don't want to see him stretch out to the three. And I think right now he will possibly be a number one pick if you were going off potential, but I don't see it right now because he hadn't had that high-level competition uh, going into the draft. One thing you can't teach is size. Right. Like I said, seven one, not a heavy seven one, but a lanky seven one. Uh we see guys like JaVel McGee still helping out in the NBA. Uh even Dwight Howard still lasting in the NBA. Uh, you got these new guys like Jackson Hayes, uh people yep. like that. The young man at, at Brooklyn making a point. Um yep. Jared New Orleans, Adams. yeah, the, the guy, whoever, Jackson Hayes, New Orleans, right? Yeah. So these Back type up. of players are still making a living in the NBA, which I think he will. Again, drafting off potential, um, you can't teach size. But like I said, a young man, uh, if he has a high motor, defensively is willing to learn the game, I, I feel think like, he'll be a good force. I feel like his NBA comparison is Hassan Whiteside, him, him and uh, uh, Jared Allen from Brooklyn. Because they got the same build, and their skill set isn't that dynamic. But they, they will control that paint, though. I, I think he's a young, maybe DeAndre Jordan, even, a, a, I'll say this lightly, a poor man's Chris Bosh, if he can get his shot together. Uh, left-handed, you know, run the court, go to the boards, finish around the rim. That's all you need in today's game as a, as a big man, because unless you can step out and hit the three, you're going to spend your, your nights around the paint. Yeah. Now, this next guy, Onyeka Okonkwu, I think that's how you pronounce his name, from USC, 6'9", center. I think he's better than him right now. I watched him, him play. They both – okay, so James Wiseman and Onyeka played against Oregon. Onyeka just completely dominated on both ends of the court. He, I think he had like 25 point, 22 points a game uh, when they both played Oregon. And – he plays bigger than his build. Like, he's listed at 6'9", but he plays like he's 7 feet. 
And kind of, kind of like an Alonzo Mourning. Yeah, he he's excellent in the pick and roll. Um, real more polished in the paint than James Wiseman. So for me, if I was picking, he wouldn't. I wouldn't be drafting him to be my center. I would be trying to facilitate his game to to be like a stretch four because I feel like he could possibly move out to the three. I don't want him shooting three, four threes a game, maybe one or two. But um, he has great balance. Like I said, he plays bigger than his build, so the strength is there. The only other thing that I want to say, if teams are drafting him as a center, he's undersized. I don't see him being able to guard Anthony Davis or or Cat on the block or, or Jokic. I, I really don't see it. That ain't saying a whole lot. Who can guard them guys? I'm just saying, you know. Yeah. But but one thing about the NBA, it goes in cycles. One year you go through an era where the big man is not relevant, then the big man comes back around. Right. So once the big man starts to come back around, irregardless, championships are won in the paint. That's true. So the more Unless efficient you go to bigs, well, Unless. Even, even that, they still had to go to the hole. Yeah, and um, I, I feel like teams are trying to build in that fashion. You know, shooting is better, more shooting is better, and it's not because everybody can't shoot threes. And we've seen this past NBA uh, Finals playoffs, really, that if you have a serviceable big man, uh, a talent in the paint like Jokic, Anthony Davis, uh, Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, Bam Adebayo, you will be successful. So I will be drafting with that in mind. Draft around your big man. There's only a handful of Stephen Curry's and Klay Thompson's. Exactly. So you got to have somebody in the paint, irregardless of whether they're stretch fours, stretch fives. You're eventually going to need to play in the paint. Yeah. Now this dude, he averaged 16, 8, and 1 at a, a USC. Um, for me, I think he closely compares to Bam Adebayo uh, on the high end. Um, even though we haven't seen Bam reach his full potential, I think he's cut from that same mold. Uh, like Bismack Biombo, if he just doesn't work on his game, or if he's just going to be a role player like a Montrez Harrell. Those are my comparisons. Again, this guy's came out of high school, played one year of college. So his ceiling depended on, like you said, uh, development. Um, like the comparison I got was, again, I'll say a, a poor man's Alonzo Mourning. Um, if he has a high motor, is willing to learn the game, uh, gets a few offensive skills, a go-to move. You never know. Yeah. Okay. So we we went through LaMelo Ball. We got Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, Onyeka Okonkwo. That's four players. Out of those four, can you project a possible rookie of the year, or do you think we need to go deeper into it? I'm not forgetting about Obi Toppin. Okay. Well, let's talk about Obi Toppin because he's the next guy on this list out of Dayton. Obi Toppin right now, to me, is the most NBA ready. You saying that because he's from Ohio? No, he played I, in Dayton. I'm not saying that because what what I saw from his game was polish. I saw that he's worked on his game, even though he played at a small school in Dayton. Um, the games that I did watch, I mean, he controlled. Yeah, he he ran the floor well, um, dunked on people, facilitated, hit the open shot, um, made his team better. Uh, the year that they did have the NCAA tournament, took his team deep in the tournament. Right. Um, had they had the tournament this year, I feel like he would have did the same thing. Uh, a, a physical talent. Again, his physicalness translates into the NBA, and to me as well as the skills. 
And I, as well, you can tell based on what I saw, he's coachable. Um, so right now, he's the most NBA ready. Now, okay. whether he translates to be the rookie of the year or things like that, I think he's the most NBA ready right okay, now. Okay, so I got to talk about this because I always like to see players in college go head-to-head. Like we saw Lonzo Ball and um, Fox from Sacramento go head-to-head. And that always doesn't, you know, for foretell the um, trajectory of someone's career, you know, whether you're outside someone in college, because like I said, it's a different game when you get to the NBA. But when Obi Toppin played UGA, he destroyed them. Like, absolutely just did whatever he wanted to do. And Anthony Edwards was on that team. Anthony Edwards played poorly against Dayton. You would think UGA, Dayton. Dayton small school, UGA should beat the crap out of him. UJ more talent. No. That game, Obi Toppin was a man amongst boys. I think he had 20-something points in the first half to, like, Anthony Edwards' six. So, that's some of the things I look at. You got to show me that toughness, that that mental stability. You know, you down 20 points in the game. Can you bring us back? Are you going to quit? Which is one of the knocks I have on, on uh, um, Anthony Edwards is that he sometimes disappears, and he did definitely disappeared in that game. But like you said, I do feel like Obi Toppin is is the most NBA ready prospect in this draft. He's super explosive. Um, he's six nine two twenty. They got him listed as a power forward, but I think he's more of a, a small forward. Like he's great in transition. He he has a, a he's a three level scorer, so he can shoot the three. Now whether that's the NBA three, I don't know yet. We got to see, but. He has the ability to be versatile on defense because he's 6'9", and has a long wingspan. So he can guard one through four. Now, th- that four and five is where he's probably going to soup like like struggle because he doesn't play well against big men like 6'10", or, you know, people that are bigger than him. But one through four, I think, you know, he's cut from that versatile mode. But he's more post-oriented right now. I think he needs to – Relish being on the perimeter because there's, there's going to be more space in the NBA. So if you can't if you can't draw your defender out to the perimeter and go by him, I mean, what do we need you for? I think he's ready. I think he's ready too, but show me something more on the perimeter. You didn't shoot that many threes. I think he's ready. It's just like when Mike first came to the league. Forced me to shoot threes, stopped me from going through the hole. You can't stop me from getting there. I don't need to shoot threes. Well, I mean... In the draft, like you said, we're going off potential and intangibles that you show thus far. If I don't think you can shoot the three, if I don't think you can stretch the four, I'm not drafting you for that. So your stock drops. And well, for it depends him to be, on where he's going to, who drafts him, what system okay. he's going to be in. That's, a, that's how all these guys are going to translate to the NBA, what system they get put into, where they get drafted at, uh, are they going to be sitting behind somebody that's already a star, um, are they going to get playing time in the first year or are they going to get time to develop? Right. These, are, these are things that are always going to have to be uh, taken account of when these young players get drafted into the NBA. Okay. Are they going to get buried on the end of the bench, even though their potential says they might be getting some playing time? What if somebody goes to – think about this. Uh, I didn't get a chance to, to see what where Denver's drafting in this draft, but whoever gets drafted to Denver, unless Denver unloads that roster they have – they're not coming right in and getting playing time in front of those guys they already no. have. Denver's loaded. And like you said, okay, 
one player that I want to see take that leap into his sophomore year is Bo Bo. I like him. I feel like he's super underrated. We forgot to talk about him. I, I like him. We got a Bobo in this draft. Somebody that's not being drafted where they're supposed to be. Okay, who is that? I feel like it's uh, Cassius Winston. You know, he, he did four years at Michigan State, so they already feel like he is who he is. And that's he's unfortunate. more like... You, you know what? That's unfortunate these days when you look at a guy that played four years in college, and now he's not potentially the high-level player that he could be in the NBA. Yeah. That's a knock, that's a knock on these guys. It is. I went four years of college and, and performed each year. He even got better each year. You know one thing I noticed as far as panning out in the NBA? The guys that did at least two years in college have had long careers. Now, that's not everybody. Like Kawhi did multiple years. Damian Lillard did multiple years. You have your exceptions like John Wall, some people that can make the high school jump. We're not talking about those guys. We're talking about being a solid NBA pro. C.J. McCullum did a couple years at uh, uh, Lehigh. Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan at, at Wake Forest. I believe if you spend more than two years in college, I feel like your jump to the NBA, you'll be more solidified. Your game will be... Yeah. Uh, fundamentally fun- sound. Yeah, right. Fundamentally sound. And the Spurs do a great job, job of drafting those players. But like, they also got a great development program as well. Uh, they develop players as well. We didn't know anything about Kawhi at first. Well, I, San Diego I'm, what, State. What I'm saying, we didn't know that he was going to be the player that he is. No. He got developed in San Antonio. Right. He was allowed to develop in San Antonio because, again, you had Tony Parker, Ginobili, Tim Duncan, uh, Bruce Bowen, guys like that that he could learn from and then get thrust into the spotlight right away. He was allowed to grow into becoming the player that he is. Yeah. But Cassius Winston reminds me of Andre Miller. Okay. Like he's not super athletic. He's not the biggest guard, but he's crafty. He's solid with the ball. Yeah. You can depend on him to, to control the pace of the game. Andre he Miller, definitely did that at Michigan State. Yeah, Andre Miller was a solid pro for a lot of years. Had a long career, which is right. what you want to see, right. which is really what you're drafting on. Right. I'm not drafting you to be here two years and then, and then bust. I'm drafting you on that it's an investment. I'm picking you one through five in this draft. I, you're supposed to be a superstar. Well, unfortunately uh, for me, as we again – one thing we'll talk about is free agency. Well, now with the free agency the way it is, two or three years, guys wanting more money, it's hard to keep teams together. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I kind of like Denver as much as I do, even though um, they lost uh, in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. I mean, they have the team, if they can keep them together, I think it's going to be a force in the West for a couple of years. Yeah, they, they drafted the correct way. Like, they have guys sitting in the wing ready to play. Bobo is ready to play. He so, needs to add some more weight, but they right. have that talent. So you think about Cassius Winston, even though they got some good backups already, he goes to a team like that, you don't hurt that team. No. All you do is add more depth. I like to see him go to the Suns and play alongside Devin Booker. Like, people are always saying they want a score-first point guard, but you got – your 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 scoring right there. You got the big man, um, DeAndre Ayton. You got uh, Kelly Oubre and Devin Booker. The Suns are coming up. The Suns are coming up, and they, but they're missing a facilitating yeah. point guard, which I feel like Cassius Winston will be that. But they're coming. 
Cassius Winston's not even like the top 50 players, yeah, which he, is ridiculous. He's like me. ranked 37th or 38th in this year's draft. No, not even that high. Like out of the top 50. On the Bleacher Report, he was like 38th. Yeah. So, But I'm saying you're right. That's still low for yeah. a four-year player that accomplished what he did at Michigan State. Yeah. Now, so. one guy I feel like will get drafted high but needs to spend another year in college is Cole Anthony out of North Carolina. He averaged like, what, 18 points a game, but his numbers do lie. Like, he, he was very inconsistent. Uh, oftentimes shot his team out of games which is, shows me he doesn't have pace. His, his shot selection isn't what it should be right now. No matter how many Instagram videos you see it is, of, of these dudes working out, it has to translate to, to the NBA. And sometimes, um, okay, college ideologies can hinder your game. It can it kind of put a damper on your game. We've seen people like Anthony Davis just blossom into a perennial superstar. He wasn't that, that same player. He's more of a paint protector at Kentucky. But he got to the NBA and he was able to showcase you know more of his offensive uh capabilities but i feel like one more year would do cole anthony top five justice well he has an nba pedigree of course with his father uh being greg anthony uh, a great nba player in his day Uh, so he has that pedigree but i did hear that he had some poor workouts um leading up to this year's draft so he may fall even even farther in the nba draft so yeah but again, I see that he has the potential to be a good player. But again, that's what a lot of times we're drafting our potential. Another year probably wouldn't have hurt him, but I mean, he used to say what kind of player he'll be in the open NBA. Okay. You know, once the floor gets opened up a little bit, um, either he's going to showcase his talent or he'll be a bust. Okay. So we didn't want to go through every NBA draft prospect, but you know, based off the research that you did, give me one through three your top three guys as far as who could possibly be the NBA Rookie of the Year next year? Who Number one being your Rookie of the Year and then two and three following in votes. Who you got? Well, depend, I'm, I'm a basis on the determining factor of who they go to, and I think that's going to play a lot in it. But as far as talent-wise is concerned, if I was to project today, um, my, my three, I'm going to say my three first, Obi Toppin, uh, LaMelo Ball, and Anthony Edwards. In that order? Yes. Okay. Nah, yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not bad. And again, depending on who they fall to and the kind of exposure they get, like I said, I'm going with Obi Toppin. Is there That's a, my rookie. Is there a Devin Mitchell in this draft? Do you see somebody who didn't get drafted high that could possibly be an all-star in the next two or three years? I do. I like... A young man that we did, we didn't speak about. I think his name is Desmond Bain, out of TCU. Okay, six five, uh, has a good range. Yeah, strong, finishes around the rim, plays defense. So he's probably going to be overlooked mm-hmm. uh, in this draft as far as being a high pick. Probably going to go in the second round. But again, if he falls into the right situation, I think he's going to be a good pro for years to come and yeah. possibly again. Uh, Devin Mitchell, like you said. Uh, so I think he has the potential to be a good pro. Like you said, I got de- – depending on who they go to, my number one, um, I think LaMelo Ball is going to be the number one pick, uh, that number one uh, rookie of the year. I think he has the ability to do whatever he wants to on the court. 
It's just mentally, is he going to be locked in every game? And is he going to show that toughness? Because it's a different game when you when you got, uh, you know, Patrick Beverly's, you know, wanting to challenge you 94 feet. We haven't seen nobody in, in, in high school do him like that. Even in Australia, he didn't – that's not a real talent-rich league. So I want to see, you know, if, if he can handle that NBA toughness. So right now, for me, I think he'll be – the rookie of the year, followed by um, Obi Toppin, and then maybe Anthony Edwards. And I'm going with my dark. This is this is my dark horse for rookie of the year, um, Sadiq Bay out of uh, out of Villanova. He's okay. a sophomore at Villanova right now. This dude six eight two fifteen. They got him listed at as a small forward, but I think he's he's a big guard because to me he kind of reminds me of Joe Johnson or or like Drew Holiday. Um, because he can guard one through three easily, maybe even four. So he'll be like a perennial. I feel like he'll be a perennial all-defensive, maybe not, you know, his first year out the gate. But he's that Devin Mitchell for me. Uh, I'm going to tell you who my sleeper is. and hopefully, Mitchell, I mean. And hopefully he gets in on the NBA roster this year. He played in the G League this past year. His name is Jalen Leck. Leck you. Leck you, whatever his name. This kid – is a yeah. phenomenal talent. That hey, I think he got like a fifty-inch vertical. So, <laughs> if he, I think if he makes it on the NBA roster this year, that's my dark horse for for rookie of the year. And this other young kid, another Jalen, Jalen Green. Okay. I know he signed a G League contract, but you never know once camp opens up if he gets invited invited yeah. to an NBA camp. I think he can be another dark horse rookie of the year. Okay, so you know, short recap of the twenty twenty NBA draft coming up on uh, November eighteenth. You think about this right now. We're not going to see these young players be able to get developed in the summer league. Yeah. But there's no summer league, so they're going right into training camp. I mean, it's going to be – it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, they won't get to see – and a lot of times that's hurting uh, undrafted free agents. Yeah. You don't get to showcase your yeah. talent. So, uh, hopefully some of these guys get to show themselves in the G League and they get called up to the NBA. Uh, so, I think that's one thing that's going to hurt the NBA uh, – the undrafted free agents not going to get the look that they probably should, and probably and then right now they're already signing guys to the G League, so hopefully they get a spot in the G League, yeah, uh, and not have to go overseas um, to play. So that's a part of free agency. Uh, I think that's that's going to hurt the NBA right now. The, the salary cap is one hundred nine million. I mean, you think that's not a lot of money no. uh, when you look at it, but the hard cap is one hundred thirty two million. But right now, that cap is going to stay where it is because revenue is not going to be as high right. without uh, the fans in the stands. There's yeah. going to be some places where they're going to be fan with, playing with no fans. Uh, yeah. So that's going to hurt revenue. My, my Okay, so to wrap up the podcast, my last take on, on 2020, the 2021 NBA draft and free agency and the whole season in, you know, in particular, I think this will definitely separate the good GMs, the good coaches, the good uh, talent acquisition from the bad because a lot of these guys haven't had a lot of games to work with. So you'll see who can really who who really has an eye for talent or who really can develop these these players. You know, you got to your your programs like the Spurs who always, you know, they'll draft somebody, sit on them for a couple of years and boom, he's an all-star. But a lot of these team, other teams don't have the luxury of doing that. They don't have a Greg Popovich that, that's willing to coach those guys up. So I think you'll see some, some teams getting even worse. That, that talent gap 
that winning gap will get even bigger as far as, you know, the better programs in the NBA. And that's all, all going to be due to COVID season, uh, uh, you know, short short uh, college games, college season. And like I said, it's unfortunate, but hey, this, this is what the guys get paid to do. To follow up on that, my only thing concerning this upcoming year is is the, the short turnaround. To me, it's a positive and a negative. It's a negative because injuries may play a part with these guys that play this, uh, the longer season in the bubble, turning right around and begin to play again. If some were coming off injuries, are they going to have enough time to rehab the injuries that they had? But I do think, positively speaking, those teams that came out of the bubble healthy have an advantage. Yeah. They already know who they are. They already know what they have. They already know yep. what they can, can do in the league coming up. Uh, just depending on how they do the travel schedules, um, what kind of things they're going to do, playing home and homes, things like that. So I think the teams that made it in the bubble and made it out healthy and they keep them together, uh, I think they have an advantage starting this season if they can start the season healthy. So I think they right. can start out with a bang. I think that's going to hurt uh, some of the teams that didn't get to play. They don't know who they are. They yeah. don't have a, a, a identity yet. Then with the younger players coming in, you really don't know what you have. Right. So you're going straight into training camp. You got to put these players either on your team or you got to let them go. Right. So I think that's one of the disadvantages of the quick turnaround uh, going into this year's uh, NBA season. I'm looking forward to it, though, because I love basketball. But I'm also interested to see how all these intangibles are going to pan out. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing these Brooklyn Nets play, but I don't think they'll win the NBA championship. Hot take. Hot take, hot take to end the podcast. But yeah, guys, thank you Pause. for this. Pause. Pause. <laughs> hey, don't say that no more. Should I tell them what you said? Pause. I'm I hey, I tell them what you said. <laughs> All right, guys. Appreciate y'all listening.